0: Stars rain solo. Welcome to episode number six of Women of the Wagons. Women of the Wagons, where the men aren't the only ones with stories from the wagon trail. I'm your host, Cass Patterson. This episode of Women of the Wagons brought to you by Western Financial Group. Western Financial Group is a diversified insurance services company that is focused on creating security and has provided over one million Canadians the right protection for more than a hundred years. When you need insurance for your home, office, farm, or vehicle, call Western Financial Group and visit Western Financial. Group.ca. I'm excited to bring this week's episode of Women on the Wagons to you. This week we talked to Dina Sutherland, who is a mom, grandma, horsewoman, and wife. She is uh, an amazing person if you get to talk to her behind the barns. I've had that luxury quite a few times, and uh, she's always a good conversation. So there's not a whole lot else to say as we head into this one. So without further ado, here's Dina Sutherland. And we are on the line with Dina Sutherland. Dina, of course, is Dayton's mom, but she's so much more than that. How are you today, Dina? I'm good, Cass. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for coming on. It's, uh, it was nice to be able to have you on, and uh, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I guess I want to start with, uh, before uh, we get into the chuckwagon stuff, you have a really cool history with rodeo yourself. Um, so I kind of want to start with that and talk about, I mean, you were a barrel racer. I found something that says you were an all around, I'm not a hundred percent sure what that was about, but I'm hoping you'll explain it to me. You know, I, I've
1: said you, I've listened to the other podcasts and you really do do your homework. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's funny that I'm, I'm, I'm a Chuck way in wife now because that was never what, what I envisioned. Um, I always make a joke that, uh. I kind of envisioned having my husband follow me on the on the barrel racing circuit and uh, helping me with my horses but kind of kind of switched when I fell in love with the chuck wagon driver I guess and and uh, I gave up my barrel racing career once uh, Mark and I started having kids um, it just didn't make sense we were we didn't have a lot of money at that time and you know, to pay a babysitter while we were both trying to work with our horses and all that kind of thing. It just, just didn't work. We'd be, people think that we're at the same spot at the same time, but you're not, we wouldn't see each other very often. So, so, uh, yeah, I quit barrel racing in Kira was born. Our our daughter, who's the oldest was born in 1995. So, um, I sold my barrel horse right after that to, to another lady, but, uh, yeah, I've done it all. I've goat tied. I've tried breakaway roping. Um, I'm decorating, which doesn't even exist anymore. I'm showing my age, but uh,
0: yeah, I've done it all.
1: I've. I think I still have a few arena records out there, and I think my one of my biggest honors, besides like the all-around cowgirl, which is is a cowgirl that um, competes in a few sports or sorry, a few rodeo events, and uh, um, is the top for those events, but. Uh, One of my other biggest honors was back when barrel racing was just a permit um, sport in the Canadian Professional Rodeo Association. Uh, I won the rookie for that with my horse, and that was a year we put on, just to put it into perspective for people, I put on over 100,000 kilometers in my little old broken down, I think it was an 89 Chevy, I can't remember anyways, it was nothing, um, driving across the country trying to barrel race
0: so how did you get into barrel racing how did you start that part of your career
1: i had a very smart mom <laughs> she knew that if she had a girl that fell in love with horses they, she wouldn't fall in love with boys and and uh it turned out to be true um horses were truly my focus in life if you ask any of my friends um i wasn't much much for boys i might have a boyfriend for a week and then they interrupted with my horse schedule, so so I get rid of them, kind of thing. Um, Mark was um, like truly my first serious serious boyfriend, so kind of my one and only serious boyfriend. But um, uh, yeah, my mom always wanted to rodeo and never got the opportunity. So um, thankfully, she's a very um, she's my hero, but a very kind woman and and uh, giving woman, and, and she did everything she could to um, support my brother and I. Um, my brother's a jockey on the racetrack, which that's what I kind of thought I would be. I used to barrel or, uh, exercise my barrel racing horse in a jockey saddle, um, thinking I wanted to be a jockey, but, but that didn't turn out. So, but yeah, it was all, all through my mom giving me the opportunity.
0: So as you get to know your horses, especially as a barrel racer, you need to have a special connection with them because you need to be one. What did you look for in a horse when you were doing that?
1: Um, you know, I was never about bloodlines, which which is a big thing nowadays. I was more about the confirmation of a horse, um, and I felt you know I could pick out pick out a, a pretty good prospect just just by the looks of their their shoulders and how they're built and all of this sort of thing. So that's kind of more what I went on. But, you know, I was very fortunate. um, Well, let me back up. I think I was very fortunate in that, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So when I first started, I did not get the automatic barrel racing horse. I got the um, $200 horse from the auction mark to try and and barrel race. But that only made me um, tougher and stronger and probably more determined because I would see other girls winning and and I definitely wasn't winning but but it just made me work harder because I wanted it even even more so I think that was good but then um oh I don't know how old I was Cass but uh, my mom and I bought um well my mom bought it for me but bought this true barrel horse it was my first real barrel horse and his name was Charm and uh him and I had a bond um like no other no other horse I've had with him and I, you know, we not only traveled over hundreds of thousands of miles together, but, you know, him, we would go riding for 12 hours a day if I didn't have to go to school or if I didn't have to work. Um, so, you know, we spent, we, I spent more time with that horse than I spent with anybody else, um, um, when I had him. So he was my first barrel racing horse and, and gave me a lot of, a lot of success, won me everything that, basically that I've won, um, and gave me the confidence to move on to train barrel horses, which which I did after I moved on from from Charm. But there was kind of a neat story I'm thinking of is um, Charm had to go in for surgery. And uh, so I took him into the vet clinic, and and Charm was a very high-spirited. He was not an easy horse. He was very high-spirited, um, didn't trust anyone, and um, but me and and of course his previous owner that had had him. But so he was in the vet clinic, not not uh, wanting to participate. And uh, we went into this the surgery room, which is padded, where they where they put them to sleep for surgery. And uh, I went in with them, and I was just talking to him. And the vet said, and I I was quite young still, I was 16 or something, 17 at the time. And he said, I've never seen a horse respond to an owner's voice. Um, like this horse is responding to you because I could just talk to Charm and tell him, you know, it's okay, I'm here. And, uh, and he felt safe. So, yeah, he was, he was my best friend growing up.
0: He was your first true love. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Very true. Uh, that's really cool. I, I've never heard you talk about your barrel racing days. and It's always been something I've always been interested in. Kira's told me a little bit. Dayton's told me a little bit, but they don't give you justice. Well, I didn't
1: ever imagine I was going to be a chuck wagon racer wife. I imagined my husband was going to support me, and I can always remember warming up rodeos. And if there was chuck chuck wagons there at the rodeo, I'd look over and think, "Oh my God, that looks like a gong show." Which I have a complete different perspective (laughs) now because I know how hard work it is. And honestly, uh, us as barrel racers and rodeo people. Um, have it way easier because we're looking after way less horses than, than truck wagon people are and that sort of thing so um, I, I definitely was wrong in my point of view at one point in my very early age about 15 or 16 or 14 I don't know how old I was but anyways yeah so I didn't imagine it but I wouldn't trade it for for the world I'm happy with my choices and and uh, I love the truck
0: wagon family lifestyle. Well, you're a killer Chuck Wagon wife and one of the nicest people I've met. So I'm just gonna thank sit. you. <laughs> um, so you went to university too, though.
1: Mark and I both went to um, University of Alberta. We started out at Grand Prairie Regional College, um, both becoming teachers, and then I actually got into the University of Lethbridge, and Mark got into the University of Edmonton. So um, prior to us getting married, so that was not going to work because we didn't want to be apart. So um, we both ended up at the University of Edmonton and uh, got our teaching degrees. Um, yeah, that's that's where we ended up and ironically, we both don't teach teach anymore, but um, we both love loved the role and loved the career. It just didn't pay enough, and uh, people think it fits into the wagon um, calendar, but but it doesn't. You don't get enough time off. We actually need from about you know, this April to till about September off in order to chuck wagon race or be able to work remotely one or the other. And uh, of course, when you're teaching, you can't do that.
0: Now, were you still rodeoing at that point? Or had you given rodeo up before you went to university?
1: No, I was still, I was still rodeoing. And I actually took my horse, Charm that I'd mentioned, and uh, uh, my other horse, Tex, down to Edmonton. At that point, you know, we had bought a house in Mill Woods in Edmonton, and uh, that was on the very, very outskirts of Edmonton at that point, And there was still riding arenas, so I could actually, where I rode was right now probably in the not in the heart, but in in Edmonton, right in the city, sort of thing. So I was still exercising my horses. I got pregnant with our first child, Kira, um, when I was in university, my last year of university. I was actually pregnant. And uh, once we had Kira, I had still had my horses, but uh, I started training that spring and just found it too hard. So that's when I made the, it was a hard decision, but uh, the right decision um, to sell my barrel horses and, and uh, just work with Mark on the chuck wagon dream.
0: So you had Kira and I'm lucky enough that I'm friends with both your children and you raised amazing children. So I'm going to give you that. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> um, you. <laughs> They're both pretty great. One talks me off a ledge some days, the other one talks me onto the ledge. We'll figure <laughs> out one. I think
1: I know which one does what. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but you got to raise them in a very unique way with having the track wagon world and also you having your background with the rodeo world. And I know uh as Kira got older, she tried to do some barrel racing. Um, but What was it like to raise both of them, both completely different people, by the way, Uh, both have very different personalities, but in this world? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't
1: change it for anything. Um, I I know people have heard it time and time again, but, you know, the Chuckwagon family and that lifestyle is one of the best parts about what we do. And it really does create a community where, um, you know, we look after everyone's kids, whether um, we're close with them or not, you know, we're all looking out for them and they get to have quite a bit of freedom. They, they learn responsibility when they're on the chuck wagon circuit because they're helping with the animals. They learn scheduling because we're always scheduled to be somewhere at some point or looking after horses at some point. And I think one of the greatest benefits for chuck wagon kids um, is they really learn how to uh, speak and host people. They're, they're great ambassadors um, for the sport. And that's not an easy skill. And a lot of people don't have it even, even as adults. So I think that's a, a great skill that, that the Chuck Wagon kids um, get. But in the same breath, it's not easy because they are basically giving up um, whatever interest they might have um, to follow us on the chuck wagon circuit so they don't get the outside interest so you know yes Kira did start try barrel racing but she really didn't get a you know a good opportunity to try it because we were always on the truck wagon circuit so I of course couldn't um if I guess I could but it wasn't easy let's say to take her to different rodeos um to barrel race because I was busy helping mark with the truck wagons right so um and it's hard for girls because I mean it's very obvious there's there's been the odd outriding uh girl and there's you know been one truck wagon driving well there's a couple actually right now active truck wagon racing women but you know for the most part women um, provide the support role in truck wagon racing so for a young girl growing up in it, it's not easy for them unless they fall in love with another truck wagon driver and I mean that's something we always kind of joke about no real where for them to go in the sport so if they haven't developed outside interests when they become 20 or whatever time they they leave home for a girl um it's very hard for them they're you know and I'm sure Kira would say that it you almost feel lost in a way because what you've been doing for the last 20 years you all of a sudden no longer do and uh, it's not that she couldn't um, come with us and continue with us but you also have to develop your own life and then on the boys side and you know I heard you say it many times as well and we've all heard Dayton say it is I was never asked um, if I was going to chuck wagon but when I was going to chuck wagon race right and you know for me I didn't encourage Dayton to chuck wagon race um, I if he wanted to do it that's fine but you know I I also remember him as a very young boy we were coming home from hockey practice. He was sitting in the back of the truck. Dayton's a real deep thinker, always has been a deep thinker. I can tell you about his thoughts on homeless people in Seattle when he was about seven. But, um, you know, he's always a deep thinker. And he said, Mom, do I have to be a truck wagon racer? And I said, No, you can be whatever you want. And I said, in fact, be a hockey player, they make way more money than than we do. And so for a long time, he'd have magazine articles or whatever kind of posted of, of guys successful in, in hockey versus truck wagon racing. But again, it's very hard because that's all he knows. Um, all of his connections, everything, you know, all summer long, it's truck wagon racing. Yes, he was exposed to hockey during, during the winter. But again, things like, say, roping or something in the rodeo, Dayton had interest in it, but he wasn't exposed to it because there was real, no real time or opportunity to uh to do it so it's good and bad or not bad i guess but there's just you're you're limited sometimes in the
0: opportunities that that they get provided to them it's like everything in life there's two sides of every coin exactly exactly yeah i actually i me and kira were just talking about this i met kira four years ago five years ago but Dayton was playing for the Flyers, and I was at a Bisons game. And it was the Flyers and Bisons. And me and Dayton have talked about this. But I remember Dayton as a hockey player being a really good hockey player. But I always have this image of him walking into the dressing room and sitting on the bench, and there's just sitting there and thinking. I'm like, okay. I don't know many guys that do that, but sure. Yeah, Dayton's always
1: been, been a – deep thinker and and, uh sometimes it's hard to know what he's what he is thinking but uh yeah he's I remember a time we were on a family vacation in Seattle and uh Dayton was just young he was about I don't know five or six and and uh he was intrigued by homeless people and this happened before we traveled to Seattle but there's a lot of you see a lot of homeless when you're down by Pike Marketplace in Seattle and that sort of thing and uh Anyways, we had stopped on our way to Seattle and picked some blackberries out of the ditch on a bush, and, and then we went fishing and caught some fish in this creek or whatever. So anyways, we'd done a few family activities, and all of a sudden, Dayton says in the truck, he goes, you know, Seattle would be a great place to be homeless as compared to Calgary. And uh, I can't remember if it was Mark or I, but we said, oh, why, why do you say that? And he said, well, look at there's all the food you need, you can fish, you can get berries, like there's no no cost for food, and he said, and it's warm all the time, so you don't have to worry about being cold like you would in Calgary. But, oh, good point. If you want to be homeless, but uh, yeah, so you know, Dayton's very very thoughtful and and uh, yeah, a thinker, very kind soul.
0: That's entertaining. I that, it, it's a smart way of thinking, but um, I find it very interesting. I mean. Me and you have known each other since I randomly showed up on your doorstep trying to do an interview with Mark, and I went to the wrong place and felt like a complete idiot, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> um, but you are a support system in the truck wagon. You do everything from wrapping the, wrapping the horses' legs, to helping with the food, to cooking the horses, to taking care of the horses, training, like that part you're a jack of all trades. I'm pretty sure if you want to get into the box, you could drive yourself, but I'm not going to encourage you to do <laughs> that if you don't want to. <laughs> I'm not crazy enough to, <laughs> Um, But this past year, me and you have had a couple of conversations where you made the choice of working with Mark on the pipeline because you wanted to be on the road. You didn't want to do the whole you're in Calgary for so long and then you drive or you miss a show, you wanted to be there. So kind of what was the evolution to getting to that point when you made the decision, no, this is what I want to do. Well, I've honestly,
1: I've been there before. So when we were having kids and we were younger, I was always on the chuck wagon trail, um, full time. And those were some of the best, best summers and I think you don't again you don't appreciate it um when you're in it until you you don't have that anymore so when the kids were gone um we thought well maybe I should get a full-time job and and help with the income so got a full-time job but then you can't be on the truck wagon circuit so much and I I did I miss um being on the trail full-time and and helping I didn't miss, you know, what actually one of the best parts was missing moving days because moving days, if anybody knows, are grueling. They're, you know, almost 24-hour days where you're loading up 50 head of horses and blah, 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 and hauling 10 hours or seven hours or what, not 10 hours, seven hours to the next one and, and uh, unloading and unpacking again. So when I was working full-time, I got to just fly in to or drive into whatever location. So I got to miss moving days which was good, but, but no, I, I've been on kind of all sides, um, being full-time on the chuck wagon circuit to, to working. And I remember one of the chuck wagon wives saying, "Oh, huh, you're so lucky because I was just, you know, showing up sort of thing. And, and she didn't think I was still working in the barn. And I said, well, I'm still helping, helping in the barn. And then I said, you know, be careful what you, what you wish for because not being here full-time is not so great either. Right. Um, so I did miss it, and yeah, we made the decision a um, couple of years ago. i I quit my job where I was at, and um, we I didn't have another job or another solution, but we just said we will make it work and uh, and so that we could be on uh, together full time because, um, yeah, with Mark, he consults in the winter, and so lots of times he's gone. Um, you know he's worked in White Court all winter. Even this winter, him and I worked up in in Pink Mountain, B.C. So if you're gone all winter and then you're on the chuckwagon wagon trail all summer, you don't really see each other too often unless you make that choice um, to be together. So I, I would not go back again to to working full time and not being able to be on the circuit. Um, yeah. And you're right. You know, I've supported. I've been. Uh, the chef, I've been the mom, I've been the horse caretaker. I've been uh, the fundraiser. I've done a lot of jobs. I was the statistician for the Chuck Wagon Association for a few years. I worked with Les McIntyre up in the announcer booth, done done a lot of, lot of things. Um, I think the one support type system that I fail miserably at is just the the emotional ups and highs and lows of, of competing. When I competed, I was never nervous um, and never really got upset if I didn't win. And I, you know, I won quite a bit in my barrel racing career. Um, but it's really hard to support, um, well, my son and my husband now in that because I get extremely nervous for them. And it's just because I want them to win so badly for them. Not for me. I couldn't. It doesn't matter to me, um, but it's hard to support them through the through the highs and lows. I, I think we need a maybe a psychology degree to to help with that. Not that Mark or Dayton is a terrible loser, because they're both they're both really good sportsmen. So I don't want to paint that picture. But but it is it is hard to know what to say when you're at the Calgary Stampede and something you know, goes wrong that that shouldn't have happened or you're sitting at the top and all of a sudden you take a tumble to number 36 or whatever. Every wagon wife has been there and it's, it's hard to, to support them through that or know what to say or, or know what to do.
0: Just from the time I've spent with you, you're always very positive in the barns and you're always just a super positive person. Um, it's funny, me and my mom, my mom was nervous me going this summer because that was the plan was we were going to take the podcast on the road, and I said, it's okay, I have Dina. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's like, okay, I feel better. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, you and, I, and all the hired hands, I tend to be second second mom to sometimes. Uh, no, it's, it's good, it's good that way. And yeah, I mean, I also, you know, Mark and Dayton are both very positive people too, right? So that that helps but you know they're disappointed um you know I compare other mothers listening that that maybe don't chuck wagon racer, or don't have somebody in a competitive sport it's like you know your child's heart being broken for the first time by a boy or a girl and what do you say you kind of prepare for that moment but you never know really what to say in that moment and it's so it's kind of a little bit like that it's it's tough I don't know what they would say if I succeed or fail at that.
0: but I think they're just happy to have you there to be their support system, but I can't speak for them. I can try. (laughs) If I speak for Mark, I'll just say Mark likes pie and then we're good.
1: Yes, he does like pie.
0: (laughs) Um, You're very big on the horse care side. I've learned that with spending time for you and you are very big of taking care of the horses and everybody in the sport. Uh, me and you actually have a favorite horse that we share in common, Bogart. And <laughs> keep trying to convince Dayton, I'm going to steal him. Don't know if I'm ever going to succeed at this one, but we'll see. Maybe
1: when he retires, you can put him on an acreage if you've got an acreage.
0: How did your days in the rodeo help you when it came to horse care in the check wagon world?
1: You know, it's it is quite a bit different. I mean, I did have horse sense, I guess, um, but thoroughbreds and quarter horses are are almost completely different, and people would be shocked because they're horses. But the way you deal with a quarter horse, which is what we use to barrel race with, typically, and the way you deal with a thoroughbred is is quite a bit different. And I'm not going to lie; like I grew up with horses, I was around them all my life, and when I started dating mark and helping with with the thoroughbreds and the wagon horses I was intimidated by them like they they scared me a little bit because um they're so uh they're so high they're so ready to compete they're they're almost I don't know who to compare them to but they're they're like the wrestling athletes of the world sort of thing like they're jacked up they're ready to go and they want to race and you know they're not they're not mean and I can share other stories about about that and they would never hurt you intentionally but they might hurt you by being goofy or silly and, and they don't realize you're there so you know I've had lots of little incidents I mean one you're gonna probably laugh at me but I remember holding Mark's leaders one time we were um, we were hooking and uh, we were just ready to to head to the racetrack and and one hit me on the top of the head with his with his head his jawbone and I bit right through my tongue, and I had a hole in my tongue. You know, and I mean, did that horse mean to do it? No, and when I I gave him heck and said you know, hollered like, quit. He quit right away, and he realized that's where people too don't see horse's personality. He realized he hurt me and that he did wrong, and I could tell, and that's probably the benefit of growing up with horses, I guess, because I really feel I do understand their personalities. Um, I knew he was sorry. For, for doing that. Like, I knew he felt bad for that. Don't get me wrong. We've got some horses that don't feel bad for doing it. But I always compare horses to, um, because I'm a school, or a past school teacher, is to a classroom of kids. You know, you've got the shy ones like Bogart. You know, he's just that quiet, shy, mellow guy. To, we've got a, a horse named Vlad, who would probably, if you ask Mark, was one of his favorites. But, man, he's a shithead. Like, he just... I mean, we all cringe the hired hands and myself when we have to hook him because he's just such a handful. And, and he knows, like, if you let him intimidate you, he, he knows, but um, he also knows when to be good because when Mark will just holler, Vlad, quit it, he just stops and he stands and he listens, but um, he can intimidate the best of us. So, you know, there's all of them. There's, there's even the jokesters. We used to have this one horse and if you're walking out in the corral and not paying attention, He picked me up one time by by my hoodie with his mouth and kind of shook me and uh you know i said brass let go let me down he let you down kind of thing and you know so you've got all sorts of personalities people don't realize it and it's always kind of an interesting thing when we have new hired hands in the spring and one of their first lessons is how to catch a thoroughbred and this is something different from a quarter horse because quarter horses typically won't do this but basically thoroughbreds play play tag with us for a little bit and until they're ready to be caught you cannot catch them almost so they'll run around the pen and and play with you and dodge you and that sort of thing and and then all of a sudden they're done playing they've had their fun they'll just stand stop turn and look at you and say okay come and get me they actually give you permission to to catch them and uh when you're new as a hired hand it's, it's kind of funny because they get so frustrated because they're running around trying to chase this thoroughbred and Mark and I uh, got to admit this this is bad but we'll sometimes just stand back and smile because we see the thoroughbred having fun and, and it's frustrating the heck of the hired hand but it is a lesson everybody's kind of got to figure out.
0: That's funny that, that's actually kind of entertaining. And some of it's a
1: status thing some horses you know they're gonna be kind of the king of the pen and they'll be the last ones to be caught because they're gonna be their own boss and I mean, they're just like people. so for every type of uh, people personality you can think of, there's a horse personality that that matches it so when you're when you're dealing with horses, you also have to think about um, what's their past history what you know why are they acting the way they are acting? It's no different than people right if if you have someone that's defensive, uh, well, why? happened in that person's life to make them so defensive or so angry and and that's same with the horse we have a horse he's retired right now his name is shady and uh he was one of mark's favorites but oh my gosh there was a challenging horse to train he did everything um under the sun he uh, actually bit the tip of mark's finger off one one spring when mark was deworming him um you know i can remember being in the in the wagon having a runaway with shady because he just decided he wanted to run and not, not stop. But um, Shady was always hard to load in the trailer and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And uh, finally, Mark figured it out. Well, this horse was claustrophobic, basically. And he did not want to be in the front of the trailer or in the mix of the horses. But if we loaded him right at the back, he was okay. He felt, he felt comfortable. And Shady was another one that Mark and I both could just kind of talk to him He's quite a nervous horse, but Mark and I could talk to him and he just relax and settle down. And he was a superstar at his his job. And now he's just kind of the king of the pasture out here. He's fat and retired.
0: But every horse wants to be at the end of their career. Yep. (laughs) You do a lot of the the behind-the-scenes work with the business and that, and you do a lot of dealing with the uh, sponsors from what Dayton's told me, taking this all from your son's (laughs) word. Um, with working in the business world and then bringing that to, um, uh, Chuck Wagon world, how has that helped do you find?
1: Um, well, you know, after I left teaching, I went into, um, public relations. Um, so that definitely helped both ways. I think it helped both careers because, you know, dealing with with sponsorship is basically marketing and public relations they're all um, intermingled sort of tied together so it did help but you know mark does a lot a lot of work with sponsorship so I don't want to paint the picture that that I do that um, Dayton actually hates that part securing sponsorship so that's probably maybe why he gave me that credit but um, um, i can help very much i'm a, i'm kind of got a creative side to me i play piano i you know i've done woodworking i've painted i do photography i've got, i've got a creative side that needs to be filled so i like to create a lot of the um content for for the guys to be able to use but they do i don't want to say like they they sell themselves i will definitely help host sponsors and and um help give, it, give them marketing tips and, and that sort of thing and how to leverage the relationship. But um, it's definitely a team effort between Mark and I on, on sponsorship. We have some other dreams on the ranch. We're, we're talking about doing some t- tourism type opportunities here here on our ranch, tying in both of our education backgrounds and all of that sort of thing, maybe doing team building type type activities. but Um, I think Mark has to retire before we launch any of that because we're just so darn busy.
0: I mean, is that where the goats are coming into play, Mark's adding (laughs) in the (laughs) gimmick.
1: Oh, the goat thing. Gosh. You know, so I grew up with cattle. Um, uh, We raised cattle and uh, never wanted to be a cattle farmer because I knew how how much work it was. And then uh, never thought I would have married a goat farmer. or someone that was interested in goat farming. But Kira, our daughter's pretty excited because she does photography as well. So she said she can use the baby goats for photography props. But, you know, we were just driving yesterday, Mark and I, out to a lake to go fishing. And and he was talking to somebody because he's trying to learn everything he can about goats. Because again, he knows nothing. Um, and uh, this this guy was telling him all about all the work that he had to do. like trimming the hooves and whatever all the care and Mark's like what we have to trim their hooves like and I just said to Mark you are so not ready for this <laughs> like great idea but I don't know if we're ready um so it'll be an interesting adventure I did have goats when I was younger but only to practice my goat time for the rodeo so um and I can remember getting in trouble all the time with my stepdad because the goats would be climbing on his prize truck or something and I wasn't taking care of my goats, so that's all I worry about is keeping the goats in.
0: Yeah, I don't know how Mark would do if the goats get up onto the trucks or anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. It'll be there'll be a definitely a lot of social media content when the goats do arrive, which could be as early as next
0: week. So we'll see. Um you you're a very big part, or you have been a very big part. Uh, of my time when I go to Stampede. You've always been the person I've kind of gone to or been able to talk to, Um, but you also have a very unique relationship with Stampede because you have the communications background, so I think you're able to see both sides of this very double-sided coin. Um, What has that been like for you? What is, have you been able to like, Mark is like the king of Facebook and social media and putting stuff out there, so have you been able to help with that at all? um yeah, I do help
1: with the social media for sure, but uh you know mark Mark did start it on his on his own, and I mean um I think he's so successful because he was very genuine about it and um you know people people love the horses, so when he started showing the horses and talking about what horse did what on that night, you know, people loved it. I remember um, Karen Perry, you'll probably listen to this, but we call her, we don't have a fan club, but we call her the president of our fan club because uh, she's a very dedicated um, person to our team and to our horses. But before we had met her, she messaged us or tagged us. I can't remember on Facebook, but anyways, she had wrote this poem about all of our horses and what she had done is she'd listen to the races every night on the radio or live and she had taken notes and marks videos on what horse did what what position they ran in if they did good or bad kind of what their personalities was so basically she got to know our horses i mean sometimes she knows them better than i do because she just studies them so anyway she wrote this poem about every one of our horses kind of about their about their personalities and stuff and I think she must have tagged us on social media, and I first read it. I'm like, "Wow, this is amazing!" But in the same breath, and I've told her this, so I laugh. But I'm like, "Ugh, this is a bit stalkerish. Kind of scary," um, <laughs> because there was this lady that we had never met before, and she literally had followed us in detail. Um, so, but it was kind of it was kind of cool, anyway. So, um, no, Mark has always kind of led that social media i'm very passionate about it for sure as you know you know i've had discussions even on different things to do i've i've tried to help the association a little bit with with storytelling i think storytelling is so important to our sport um you know there's the whole that was my role you mentioned i worked at the stampede but that was my role at stampede was to uh to look at the social license issue which is basically um those that don't agree with with our sport or when i was at stampede it was those that, that don't agree with say agriculture or don't know enough about agriculture so um you know storytelling is a is a huge part and that's why podcasts like this i think are are so important so people can come into our world you know we always um, invite people to our barns as to do most chuck wagon teams to come and see what we do If there's ever a misunderstanding of what happened, and people um, do take the time, those that disagree take the time to come and learn what we're doing, or come and see what we're doing, they almost always change their opinion on on whatever it was they disagreed, agreed upon. So um, storytelling is a huge part of our sport, and I think as a as a community, we really need to band together on telling those important stories. You know, there was a good example. Um, uh, Mark and Dayton were having a conversation. Dayton had had an accident on the track in Medicine Hat one year. This was a couple couple years ago. And uh, so it ended up in the media. It ended up in the newspaper and Dayton was following um, the social media feed comments and that people disagreeing that that we should race these animals. And Dayton wanted to respond, and, and I thought Mark had a good response. He said, you know, like, no, you have to build that trust prior to something happening. So basically you have to be proactive versus reactive, and and people have to understand, um, they have to take the time, those that, that don't understand and think that chuck wagon racing is a bad thing, need to come and understand thoroughbreds and really understand what drives them, how they're built, you know, what their desires are. And uh, when they do take the time to do that, uh, there isn't anyone that I can't think of right now, and I might be wrong, that hasn't changed their opinion of, of the sport. So, yeah, I think communication and good storytelling are are a good thing, and you know, also Mark said it best one time, he said, um, I don't know how I'm coming down this rabbit hole, but you've got me there, so. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that's okay, is that, is, uh, you know, every sport needs a watchdog and and um, it's true. If you wanna get better, we both believe in, you know, evolving the sport and making it a better sport, making it safer, making it more entertaining, whatever it is that, that people feel lacking. But those watchdogs need to be able to or want to be able to work with us um, to improve the sport. Ending the sport is not the answer. Just like if you think, um, let's say, what's a neutral one? Driving is unsafe, so you're going to ban all driving. Um, That's not the answer. That's not real. So how can we make driving safer and work together on that? So um, I think that's. That's where the sport needs to head.
0: I hundred percent agree. I uh, yeah, you all much. of that out of a
1: communication question, Cass.
0: <laughs> wow. wow. You know, I'm really good at getting those long-winded answers. <laughs> no, I'm really bad at just shutting up when I should shut up. Ah, that's where dating gets it from. Got it. <laughs> Probably. You were talking about storytelling, and you were great at telling stories. You have a few that are uh, very interesting, in my opinion. Um, There's one that your daughter brought up to me, and you don't have to answer it, um, but she told me that you probably would be the best person to talk about um, what was it like when Mark got thrown out of the truck a few years ago, Mm -hmm. because she thought that you had a very unique perspective of it. Did she say what that perspective was? Huh. Well, so my
1: personal story, I guess, is um, uh, my father passed away when I was 10. Um, so I was a young girl. You got me, Cass. <laughs> I don't know why I chose to start with that. But that that has always impacted, impacted my life. Um, I think because I have this firm, firm belief that... When it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like I always say, you know, Mark loves steak, so he could easily die from choking on steak at breakfast rather than driving a truck wagon. And I truly have had um, that perspective in in anything. So, you know, I don't worry about, I get nervous, yes. I might've got a little bit worried when when Dayton first started driving. just because it was like oh it's time like he hasn't had enough practice for anything but but you know he's a good driver so um have all the confidence in the world with him but yeah I just I think it comes from my firm belief that when it's your time it's your time Kira had it a little harder in that accent so I guess I'll back up explain the accident because people might not not know about it but it is on YouTube if you if you search Mark Sutherland I think the wreck, um it will come up I cry every time I watch this video. It It is great footage because we were actually doing a reality TV show at the time. So they were there filming. So we've got pictures. We've got everything. And uh, what happened is a piece of harness broke on Shady, actually, who's retired on our ranch. And uh, the, the harness broke. So Mark was trying to pull up the horses because our wagon had started to... Kind of sashay a little bit go go back and forth and so mark was trying to pull it up and he had um two other wagon drivers um on either side of them so one went down through the rail and one went outside and i can't even remember i think it was the one on the rail anyways one of the wagons they ended up hooking uh the wheels to, and it flipped mark out and what happened and you know, ironically, you wouldn't normally want this to happen, but what happened is Mark's lines got wrapped around his legs, and it actually propelled him out the wagon and then down, and he kind of bounced off the ground and underneath and underneath the wagon and was able to hold on to the reach, which is the dry shaft of the wagon. Um, and, you know, I, I give huge credit to Mark for surviving this because he's very calm. He's very much a thinker. Um, And, uh, you know, he luckily he didn't get knocked out, but he was able to keep his wits about him to to be able to think about, okay, what should I do? And there's one picture actually of of him with his hand and it's reaching outside of the bottom of the wagon on the side and everybody thinks he's waving at the crowd. And and that's not at all what he was trying to do. He was trying to figure out because he thought, okay, these horses, this was, because he had rode around the whole racetrack basically underneath the wagon. And he knew that the horses were going to stop. And he was worried about the wagon um, piling up if it stopped. And of course, him and the horses might not be okay if that happened. So he was trying to get back out. He had actually kicked off his shoe as he was going around the the racetrack. Um, trying to get the lines off of his legs so he would be free. He knew he couldn't go out the back of the wagon because we have the um, the stove rack at the back and it's a little bit lower, and he knew there wasn't enough clearance. So he was trying to come up the side. Um, anyways, they got the wagons all stopped. But what happened is Kira was younger. I was over. My role that year was to take the outriding horses over. Uh, to the infield and, and help the outriders um, get on and that sort of thing, get get the horses ready. So I wasn't right where the act, the accident had happened. And all I heard Les McIntyre was say, oh, Mark's out of the wagon. And, you know, I, I didn't even worry about that then. Like I, I ran over to the spot where Mark should be laying on the racetrack is what I thought I was going to find. And he wasn't there. And it actually took me, you know, the whole time until he come back around again. And I can remember some lady, and I don't even remember who it is. I should remember it. But she was standing there hugging me, like, put her arm around me. And she said, what's happening? Are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I thought I heard Mark was out of the wagon. So I had no idea that Mark was actually riding underneath the wagon. I couldn't hear anything anymore. But Kira, she was, what was she, about 10, I think? She was actually the the Chuck Wagon kids used to hang out on this hill at the Grand Prairie Racetrack, She was on this hill, and that's right where the accident had happened. And so she saw it all, and then um, they wouldn't let her out on the racetrack. We had actually stopped right in front of her again. And, of course, Mark and I were caught up in in the moment and forgot that she was watching, and they wouldn't let her out on the racetrack to even come come see her dad. So she had it harder because she knew exactly what was going on. And then uh, I can't remember which wagon wife saw her and brought her out, out to the racetrack. And uh, so, yeah, it was hard on her. May Sorry, her- taking a glass of water there. but uh, And, you know, I, I Kira, I actually, she was 10 because I can remember I was 10 uh, when I lost my dad. And uh, that hit me a little bit. But, yeah, I think, again, I think it's just, I don't worry about Mark got, the very next day, I believe, he drove again. And I can remember everybody was asking me, the people on the reality TV show, are you worried? Are you worried? And I'm like, you know, what? I'm a little bit nervous, more excited, high energy than, than worried that something's going to happen. Cause I trust Mark's driving and I trust his capabilities. So, um, yeah, I, I never worry about an accident because, um, like I said, when it's our time, it's our time.
0: That's a really interesting perspective. I've never thought of anything that way
1: yeah there's path for us (laughs) and I'm not a highly religious person but there's there's a path for us
0: um I guess I'm gonna switch it over to maybe a little happier (laughs) (laughs) way to go Cass you're I'm just really doing good at these emotional things lately Uh, (laughs) this is maybe why Dayton shouldn't leave me alone
1: (laughs) us women tend to be a bit more emotional anyways but oh well
0: um you have the blog Uh, I don't know if you've done anything on it in the past couple of
1: years. Way to go for bringing it up. No, I've been feeling guilty for not doing it.
0: Sorry. (laughs) That's all right. Um, But you had a really cool story on the blog about Dayton and the horses, and he was like two or something, and he ended up in the corral. Do you mind sharing that story? I think it's a really neat story. It just shows how gentle the horses are and how sweet they are.
1: Yeah I, I agree with you Cass it's a good story and I, I try and use it to explain to people um, the thought process and how intelligent horses are because again I don't think people quite understand how smart they are you know another one before I get to the story about Dayton the one that just popped into my mind I often tell is because people think we force these horses to race and it's like you can't force a 1,200 plus animal to do anything. If they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. Um, but anyways, when we harness, um, when we're at the Calgary Stampede, all the horses are in box stalls. And our nightly routine is um, the, the hired help will set out the harness in front of those horses that are going to run for the night. And some of the more competitive ones, um, I'm thinking of our text and, and those, Vlad, Vlad is definitely one. When that harness is not laid out in front of their stall, they know it's not their night to race. And they are, pardon my language, but pissed off. They are kicking the stalls. They're pacing back and forth. When you come to say, oh, quit, it's okay. or try and come talk to them. They're like a child and they go in their corner and they're pouting. Um, you know, so people don't realize how passionate they are about racing and wanting to win. It's like a hockey player being benched or a volleyball player being benched. And uh, they don't want to be benched, and they don't realize it's only because it's their rest day. Um, it's not that they had a bad bad uh, trip around the track or they didn't perform like they should. It's it's their rest day, but they want to compete. So, anyways, back to the story you asked about with with Dayton, because I do I have such a high respect um, for horses and the, and their personalities and and what they give us. So I could talk about stories like this all day long, but um, typically in the fall, Mark and uh, his dad Kelly would go and, and go to racetracks all over North America and buy horses off the racetrack. And when they've been on the racetrack, um, they don't get um, a lot of free time, so they're not out in open pens. Um, they're typically in a box stall, and then they go out on the walker or they go out for their morning run on the on the track. So they're not used to open spaces. Um, and they're a little bit more high strung because they're coming off of being trained, right? So they're they're that athlete that's ready to go. And so when they come home um, to to our ranch, we typically put them in a, a small corral first, just to get them used to their not only their surroundings, but also the other horses that they're now being with. So it's like you going to camp and meeting a bunch of new new friends, right? Um so they're getting to know each other. They're all a little bit high strung. Um, they're not used to being out in the open. And then we eventually you know, expand their spaces and go to a bigger corral and then eventually out into a field where they can run and play. But so Kelly had come home. Um, we were actually living in the basement of our in-laws at the time. Um, and uh, Kelly had come, come home from one of the race trucks with a load of horses and put them in this corral right beside uh, the one barn and it's only a few feet, a few hundred feet, maybe a hundred feet, I don't know women a it measurement, too, aren't we, but um from from the house, and so here in Dayton were just little, Kira was about five, and Dayton was about two ish three ish, and uh, he couldn't been metal because he couldn't talk, I remember very clearly, so whatever the age is that they start talking, but um. I had been washing laundry. So I told Kira, keep an eye on your brother. I know, bad mum, bad mom. And I ran down to the basement and to switch some loads of laundry. And when I come back, Dayton wasn't there. And my heart sunk. And I said to Kira, Where's your brother? And I was Oh, I don't know, she was on the swing or something, you know. And I mean, poor Kira, why am I putting that responsibility on her? Anyways, I looked and here's the just kind of the corner of my eye caught my eye, and the horses were in this pen and they were in a form perfect circle and I looked over and here's little Dayton and like I said he can't even barely talk he can stand and walk for sure and the horses had performed sorry formed a perfect circle around Dayton and it was like they were in class and Dayton was in the middle of these like there was probably 10 thoroughbreds in their cast and again remember they're high strung um if you went in there you'd probably be scared right because you'd probably be scared you're going to get kicked because they're playing and stuff but Anyways, they're all standing there perfectly. Dayton's in the middle and he's giving them orders and he's going, hey, hey, hey. And as he's saying, hey, 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 he's turning his bodies and he's pointing at each one. And seriously, each one is nodding their head. Up, each horse is nodding their head as Dayton points at him. And I stood there for a minute and I'm sure it was only like probably half a second or a second. And I'm like, okay, I want to run and get him, but I can't because I knew if I ran, they would scatter. I would scare them. Not that they wanted to hurt Dayton, but I would scare them. So they would scatter, potentially running them over. I'm like, okay, what do I do? I can't walk in there because there's chances that, again, I, just by walking slowly that one of them might move and start them all running. So I just said, hey, Date, come see mom. And he started walking towards me and those horses just parted away and let Dayton through. And I always just say like, So when people are scared of horses, I always tell that story because they will never, for the most part, there might be that one in a million, but for the most part, a horse will never hurt you intentionally. They either, you will get hurt either by being stupid yourself around them doing something you shouldn't do. Um, You know, me holding that horse and him hitting me on the top of the head. That was me. I was in the wrong spot. You know, that's not the horse's fault. Um... Dayton one time as a little kid also got bit right by the corner of his eye from a horse, but he was in the barn with them and and uh, he didn't give the horse warning and he had touched the horse on the side. And if you know horses' visions, they can't really see that well on the side. And uh, the horse just thought he'd swipe another fly. You know, kind of how they bite and scratch the sides of them. But Dayton happened to be there, so you'll see a little scar on Dayton's Dayton's eye. But so they'll never intentionally hurt you. I used to when my kids were babies and they were driving me crazy and crying and stuff, I'd go for walks out in the pasture because the horses would all come around and swarm because they were so curious about the babies. They were just kind with them. Um, So again, I I guess I'm repeating myself, but they'll never hurt you intentionally for the most part.
0: That's awesome. Your son likes giving you heart attacks. I'm starting to realize this. (laughs) That's
1: a boy thing. I think (laughs)
0: like, the one story we keep hearing on the podcast, uh, Rick's brought it up, Les has brought it up, but it's when Dayton disappeared at Calgary on you. Mm-hmm. We that wasn't
1: that Dayton's story. fault though, actually. Yeah, that was a a terrifying moment again. so um, Calgary Stampede, um, we're actually getting ready to hook, like we're harnessing and, and that sort of thing for Mark's race. Those were the days where, um, we parked our holiday trailers right around the barns at Stampede. So you're only a few, I don't know, 10, 20 feet away from your barn. At the Stampede, now we're parked quite a ways away. But anyways, we always had a rule with our kids that, uh, you know, they could either be at the trailer when, when it was race time. They could either be at the trailer or at the barn and nowhere else, right? So, and they were always really good at following that that rule. But this one, one night, um, you know, we're... We're getting ready to harness and stuff and I said to Kara, where's your brother and she goes I think he's at the trailer and I ran to look to make sure he was at the trailer and he wasn't there and I'm like come back is Dayton around nope he's not there um the quick version of the story is we lost Dayton for oh I'm probably bad at this but at least half an hour if not an hour and we didn't know where he was at the Calgary Stampede Calgary Stampede gets over 100,000 people there in a day. So just to paint the picture for those that haven't been, how busy it is. Um, back at the barns where we're at, you know, there's, there's 36 barns with probably at least 10 people um, helping at those barns and horses. It's just chaos. There's multiple um, ways to leave the grounds at the barn. So there's multiple exits. To leave the barns, and here we couldn't find our kid. So I got on our pedal bike and I started pedaling around the barn area because I had thought he—it was actually the the Nolan boys he used to be friends with, well he still is—but um, he was hanging out with them. So I thought, oh maybe he went, you know, to their barn. And then I knew that the the Nolan boys always went with their mom to the races at that at that stage in their life. So I thought, well maybe they went over um, to the races together. So we had been searching for Dayton um, around the barns, couldn't find him. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna go over to the grandstand. Maybe I'll run into to them. Or my actual thought was, because I knew Les McIntyre, I was going to run up to the eye in the sky and get him to announce it. Like I need to find my son. You know, um, total total panic. And uh, they actually ended up um, locking down the grounds, closing the gates um, to try and try and find Dayton. I had went over to the to the grandstand area which is the main area and I ran into a security guard asking how do I get up to the eye in the sky and and he said well what's the issue I explained the issue real quick and he said well no let's start searching bathrooms make sure you look for um, hair in the sinks make sure you look for dye packages in the garbage to see if any evidence so when he said that to me my heart I just that was it for as a mother i hit full panic mode um thinking oh my god my hat! um, they've already shaved my son's head they've taken him he's gone um and meanwhile mark was over at the barn we we didn't even care if we raced that night at this point and and um mark was over at the barn looking and that's what's so beautiful about the chuckway and family um you know i always call us a dysfunctional family because we we get along and we don't get along kind of thing but when when it comes down to it um, everybody supports everybody, and uh, so everyone was looking for Dayton. and actually, um, Jimmy Nevada, a fellow he used to drive chuck wagons, found Dayton down at the river. and uh, which if if you know the Calgary stampede grounds, the the river runs right along along the um, racetrack kind of thing. And someone had taken Dayton down there and told him not to come back. So Dayton was too young. he was scared of who had taken him down there. Um, that he that he might um, get hurt if he came back up, so he wouldn't come back up. So Dave was just sitting there by the river, and I mean that adds a whole other element. He could have, you know, drowned in the river or something if he slipped or something. But um, yeah, so Jimmy Nevada brought him brought him back up, and um, you know it was one of those mom- moments. I came back from the ground. I remember this extremely like clear to this day. Of course, I was upset, I was shaken, and and when I saw Dayton, it was, you know, you don't dare give him shit about anything. You just you just hug him.
0: Hearing you tell the story gives me anxiety compared to hearing Dayton tell it, because Dayton's like, I didn't know I was in the wrong, I just got put in the trailer. And I'm like, Kate, yeah, you deserve to be put in the trailer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even if he thinks he got shit that night, that's wrong. We didn't even give him trouble that night. We were just so happy that that he was was safe Mark and I both I mean we both of course had our our cries and stuff but all we could do was hug the kid.
0: What is it like now watching Case and Della I mean Marcy's too young to know what the horses are but what is it like watching Case and Della with the horses now? So Case and
1: Della and Marcy are our grandkids. Um, Oh yeah. Our daughter has uh three three children and um Man, that's the best title I've ever had is grandma. I I tell you, it's my poor kids say, Mom, you would never like this with us. And it's true, you let your grandkids get away with way more than than your kids. But I always say I think it's because I feel responsibility for my grandkids, you know, like um I just want to enjoy them. So um I don't I don't worry about them turning out right or making them follow rules. I just I just enjoy them. So um yeah. The grandparents stage is awesome, but um, watching them with the horses, um, I don't think it's much different than with my kids. I love that we get to share this time with them and they spend a lot of time with us in the barns. Kieran, our son-in-law, Trent, have been really good about bringing the kids around and and, uh, to the different races, because that's not easy either. But um, yeah, I think it's just um, being able to spend time with them and share, share uh the horses with them and who knows what you know if they'll choose a life with horses or not choose life i mean for the longest time i honestly didn't think dayton was the kid that um, was never really interested in wagon racing as a little kid he'd fall asleep during the races in his little wagon and then he loved tractors so when the tractor came out to harrow during the heats um, or in between the heats that's when he'd wake up and he'd watch the tractor go around the racetrack the whole way around but as soon as the wagons come out again he'd just lay back down or go play with his friends or something like Dayton was not interested for for quite a while um, Kira probably spent more time with the horses in the earlier years than then Dayton so who knows where it'll end up but no grandparent is uh is the best title ever cast
0: I heard you say that you want that if you could, you'd love to get a couple of riding horses and be able to take the kids riding.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing you know. Like, um, actually, before you um, asked, or once you asked me to do this interview, I kept thinking, okay, what are some things I could share? And I, I was thinking, I did the whole pros and cons of chuck wagon racing, <laughs> things that that were good about it and things that were bad about it. And uh, schedule is the one thing I don't love about chuck wagons. It's grueling there's no real downtime or um, relaxation time because as soon as you're done truck wagon racing you go back to work but um that is one thing and I, and mark and i've talked about that a lot is i want to be able to um um you know participate with with uh, the grandkids in in their sports and take them riding and develop that love for our horses mark's dad kelly um who those who know is a is an icon in our sport um we always kind of reference him to the Wayne Gretzky of of chuck wagon racing but and he's retired now for two years since 17 so this would have been the third season probably but um you know Mark's younger sister who's quite a bit younger than Mark has two kids that live in in their yard in Kelly's yard and and he's constantly taking them riding and I mean if you watch Mark's mom's social media that's all it is is Kelly and, and the granddaughters going on adventures. And, and, uh, I would definitely love to have the time to do that with, with my grandkids. I think there is no better life. And anybody who asks me, should I buy a horse for my kid? Absolutely. There is no better life for your child, no better way to teach them responsibility. And if you're worried about cost, um, you know what? The cost, besides buying the truck and trailer, which you don't necessarily need, but... Um, is not much different than, than the, you know, ten dance outfits and multiple dance um, programs that you put your kid into, or or hockey or anything like that. So, yeah, I I you know I feel so truly blessed that my mom um, felt so strongly to give me that opportunity of a life with horses. I couldn't imagine my life without it. And when Mark and I think of uh, talk about retirement. My only real true concern is will we still have horses around? And if you follow, you know, someone like Carolyn Sinclair on social media, who uh, her husband Huey used to be a driver, you know, they still got horses (laughs) on their, on their farm. And, and, you know, it's because they had such a passion and a love for horses.
0: That's awesome. I think Case would love it yeah he
1: probably will. You know, he's at the stage last year he got to go for some training. He was in the wagon for the very first time. Um case is not even four yet, so he wasn't even three at that point. um and he got to go just walking. Um, Grandpa was headed back to farm with the horses and and uh, we put him in the wagon, and he was pretty scared at that point. He not scared, but like, oh, am I really doing this kind of Um, look on his face and he held on to grandpa pretty tightly. But um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Like I said, I don't ever want to, and I never wanted to, it'd be interesting what my kids said, but never wanted to pinhole them into, you must be this, or you must do this. Um, I always want my kids, or now my grandkids, to do what they love.
0: Whatever their passion is, follow that.
1: Life's too
0: short. Um, I guess I'm going to head into my favorite part because I've kept you for over an hour now. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, I have time either. Whew. My favorite part is Venus versus Mars. And I okay. think this will be entertaining considering <laughs> last year at Strathmore, uh, I got to be involved in a very heated debate over chips. <laughs> chips? I don't remember this one. So, I don't know, we were talking about eating healthy and something. And Mark said that you guys had started eating healthier and you didn't have broken the trailer anymore. And you turned in and said, yes, except for the bag of corn chips you damned yesterday. And then Mark Mark says, well, they're healthy in Mexico, so they can't be wrong.
1: (laughs) Okay, I remember that
0: now, yes. (laughs) And then I got a video on my phone that I took a picture of where you almost put the pie in Mark's face. Yeah, I have some funny memories from Strathmore last year. (laughs) Food's a big
1: part of our lives, so people know. Um, I always said Mark could have been a a chef as easily as a chuck wagon driver. He's a good cook, Um, but he loves food. And, uh, you know, when we go on holidays, it's, it's more about the food than anything else. We love to go to different places, try different things. We'll go into that hole in the wall restaurant where you think it's just disgusting and you shouldn't be eating there. Um, you know, we ordered one time we were in Costa Rica, we were out playing in the ocean and this local family um, was barbecuing and Mark walks up to the lady and says, do you wanna sell some of that? And uh, so we bought some of their meat, which we had learned later was probably iguana, but she told us it was chicken, but of course she couldn't even speak English. so. Um, she just nodded when Mark asked her if it was chicken. Anyways, food's a big thing for our family.
0: That's funny. So I'm going to start off with the easy questions. Um, who asked who out?
1: Mm, gosh. I don't, we didn't get to know each other that way. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Do you want the long version?
0: Um, Sure, let's hear the long version. I've seen Mark post about it on Facebook, so I'm excited to look curious. (laughs) There was no
1: really formal ask, you know, even when Mark proposed to me, there was no formal proposal. It's kind of funny now that I think of it. But um, anyways, Mark's dad owned a bar uh, just outside of Grand Prairie called Kelly's Bar. It was very famous, fun, fun bar. Um, When I graduated and went high school and went to college, been in a bar even and i applied to work out at kelly's make money i barely drank as a kid i was not a partying type wild child i was a pretty pretty like i said i spent more time with my horses than anything else so anyways i went to work mark's sister tara actually hired me at the bar um and uh mark was away working on the queen charlotte islands he had went to work for his uh, kelly's uncle and so he wasn't even there but i guess um some of his other cousins had, had told him about this new blonde waitress at the bar that was working at the bar. So when Mark came home, he had to, he had to meet me. So I will say he probably pursued me, but he was my bartender. I was the waitress. And, and you know, it just evolved, evolved from there. The rest is history. Yeah.
0: Who is more
1: stubborn? <laughs> I know Mark would say me, but he ignores how stubborn he is. Um, I think that's a pretty much a tie.
0: It's a tie. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's more adventurous? Definitely
1: Mark. Mark's more spontaneous, which is one thing I truly love about him, and he makes me more spontaneous. Um, you know, we've taken holidays. I remember one time I was teaching school, and he phoned me, and he said, it was a Thursday or a Friday, and he said, do you want to go to Jamaica on the weekend? I'm like, yeah, whatever, right? And the kids were little. We lived in Calgary. I didn't really have any family to take the kids or anything. Again, this was not a proud moment for me as a mom, but um, I said, no, like, no, we can't go to Jamaica, and I hung up. I was teaching class at the time, and, uh, and then I started thinking about it because it was a really super deal he had found. We were going to go with this group of people, and so I come home after school and I said change my mind can we still take up take them up on this opportunity can we go to Jamaica and he said yeah so this was either Thursday or Friday and we left for Jamaica on a Sunday and, and yeah, the kids were older but I left Dayton with his hockey coach and I left Kira with our friends whose family I never had even really met and I think now like what was I thinking I mean everything turned out and it was a super vacation but but yeah not one of my more proud mom moments but uh one of my funnest spontaneous moments
0: that's entertaining and awesome it's okay my parents used to leave my brothers with their hockey coaches and (laughs) me with random friends too i think it was just like that time it was okay now people would be like what now
1: yeah kira actually arranged her so i
0: mean it was okay but yeah um i guess you answered the who's the better cook one uh but
1: who's the cleaner cook? I'm the cleaner cook though, Cass. So Mark and I used to have a deal when, when we were dating and living together. Uh, We lived together for four years before we were married, but, um, and I did not know how to cook like chicken noodle soup. I, poof, I didn't know how, I remember phoning my mom going, how do I cook chicken noodle soup? And uh, so Mark used to do the cooking and I would do the cleaning, but I quickly had to learn how to cook because he is the cook that will have... Every single cupboard door open, every utensil, every little gadget you can think of um, out. Like it, it just looks like a disaster zone once he's cooked. Um, so I, you know, Mark's mom bought me this sign and it's true. It says I was born to ride and forced to cook. Um, yeah, so that's me on on cooking. But uh, I probably cook more than Mark. But when he does, the kids, when they were little especially, would always get excited when dad cooked.
0: That's funny. It sounds like basically you live at my house because that's (laughs) how our house is. Um, Okay. Who's the better baker?
1: Neither. Kira, (laughs) my daughter. She bakes all the time. Um, In fact, her husband always says, I never know because she bakes when she's stressed or angry usually. So he always says, I never know whether to be excited. Uh, when I come in the house and smell baking, because I really want to enjoy the baking, but I don't know what's caused the baking. So now Kira's hands down. She even, I think, toyed with the idea for a while of, of, uh, you know, selling her baking and stuff. Um, she truly, truly loves it. It's her,
0: her getaway. I didn't know if she got that from one of you guys. Not at all. Um, who is most likely to take control of the remote? definitely Mark.
1: Um, He's got a weird little quirk where he likes to leave the TV on all night long. People like, what? how do you guys sleep? And it took me some time to get used to for sure. But, but yeah, Mark needs to sleep with the TV and he likes certain shows because he knows those voices even to sleep with. So um, yeah, the remote is all his and he got that. I'm going to sell her out, but he got that from his mom. She's, she, she's the queen of the remote at her house as well. That's funny. <laughs> uh, do
0: you get to ever pick movies, though?
1: Mark hates movies, so we never, I, I think maybe we've watched, I don't know, if it's been a handful of movies in our whole, we've been together since 1989, so however long, however long that is, um, yeah. If I watch a movie, it's, I was either with my kids or go out to movies with a girlfriend. Mark's a sitcom kind of guy.
0: That's fair. Yeah. Um, and then my last question, because we talked about School Nut, who was the better student?
1: Hands down, me. <laughs> oh, he was such a procrastinator. He was the Coles Notes. But you know what? It used to make me so mad because, I mean, we both went into education, so we were taking Lots of times, um, the same courses, especially the first two years. And, and uh, you know, he would read the chapter notes at the end, like 10 minutes before the exam. And I'd been studying for like two weeks and he'd ace the exam and I'd just get by. Oh, it used to make me so mad. Um, not fair. <laughs> Mark is very, very smart. And so is Dayton's. Dayton's got that. Um, it just comes easy to them.
0: So so easy to them. It's very cool. And I'm gonna leave that on that note. <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you for coming on and for talking and for letting me, you know, make you cry and dive deep into <laughs> all these topics. Yeah,
1: well, thanks for having me. I did I am, I enjoyed it. I hope the the listeners enjoyed. Thank you, Dina, for joining us
0: on Women of the Wagons. We're gonna see if I still have a co host on after the ninth after this, because uh kind of threw Dayton under the bus a couple times yep I'm really good at that. Um, There's not a whole lot else to kind of break down from that. There's so much more we could talk to Dina about. I mean, I didn't even get into her photography. That in itself probably could have been a whole other half hour conversation. She's just such an interesting person to talk to because she does have all these different backgrounds and insights. So maybe we can get Dina on again and just continue this conversation and also maybe talk a little more about her photography because if you've seen her photos on social media, they are incredible. Um, That's it for Women of the Wagons. If you are wanting more Chuck Wagon content, to stay connected with the Chuck Wagons. Uh, This week, the WPCA was supposed to be rolling into Saskatoon if COVID was not in effect right now and we weren't still having to social distance. So, uh, you can check out Outside the Wagon with the WPCA's Brian Hebson on Outside the Wagon this week. Brian talked to Dustin Gorst, his first in a three-part series on the Gorst family. So check out that interview. I know I've said it for the past two weeks. I promise. I'm making good on this promise. (laughs) Um, After the 9th, we will have new stuff coming out here. Uh, We just got to deal with the technical difficulties. I'm pretty sure we got it down. This time it's not on Dayton. It's 100% on me. The tech stuff, my stuff figuring it out slowly um but yeah so <laughs> after the ninth with dayton sutherland and myself you can still check that out and then if you are wanting to stay connected via social media you can check out after the ninth on facebook instagram and twitter and if you're wanting to check out the wpca it's wpca checks on facebook instagram and twitter of course check out the websites for uh, the different content on after the ninth.com it's all the podcast content and then for everything check Tuck Wiggins. it's the wpca.com that is it for me until next week and throw me the